Hello, and welcome to The Meaning of Plymouth, a place to examine how spiritual significance emerges from the life and work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. I'm your host, Chris Bonhoff. Our very first guest is author, writing coach, and Plymouth member Elizabeth Jarrett Andrew. Elizabeth is one of the founders of the Plymouth Contemplatives, a group that travels across Christian and other spiritual traditions, exploring what emerges out of silence. Elizabeth and I sat down in June of 2021 to discuss her pathway into contemplation through memoir writing and how that path led to a shift in her understanding of God. What is writing to you? Yeah, well, I think at its most basic, um, writing is how I listen to my interior. Writing is how I attend to it, how I can hear what's happening there and um, see it and work with it. So memoir in many ways is a shaping of that kind of raw material that comes out in the journal and um, giving it form, giving it meaning, but then also mostly discovering, you know, what, what's really going on here. And, um, and it's that discovery process that, that is the spiritual journey of it, um, and the spiritual practice of it. Was contemplation something that was a part of your life prior to, uh, the discovery of spiritual memoir writing, or was that kind of a parallel thing that was happening I brought along this definition of contemplation because I think it's a good one. It's from Parker Palmer. He says, contemplation is any way one has of penetrating illusion and touching reality, which I think is a really inclusive way to think about contemplation. And so under that understanding of contemplation, I think I had been experiencing it because writing was my tool. You know, writing was my way of stripping away illusions and um, kind of holding a, a mirror to my life and saying, is this really what's true? But when I think back about like, where, where did my intentional spiritual journey begin? It really did be, begin with coming out because, um, because I had a intuited sense that if I didn't explore my sexual identity and name it, that I would not grow. The way I described it at the time was as my relationship with God, that my relationship with with God was going to stagnate, that in order for me to continue to have a, an alive sense of faith, I had to come out. When you came out and, uh, and worked through that process, it sounds like your understanding of God and relationship with God needed to shift somewhat. Mm -hmm. Where did it, like, where did it need to shift from? And how would you name where it shifted to? So what shifted with coming out was um, a a visceral experience of the incarnation, really, you know, just that sense of of God indwelling and, um, and created in my being. And then also God as 
relational and um, and co-creating. Um, you know, I definitely get that from my writing, the sense of the give and take that you experience in writing between inspiration and labor. Um, and and there's a parallel in life that that there's this receptivity. You know, when we're receptive, there's these forces that change us. And sometimes it's things like grief and loss. And sometimes it's things, you know, beautiful things like birth and marriage, or, you know, there's these forces that, that, um, that change us in really deep ways. And then there's ways that we can actively create our lives, you know, and, and, um, make changes. And so that, that relational give and take is, you know, um, how, how, God is at work um, at co-creating. Yeah. 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 That shift from, from perceiving the world as something that is acted upon yeah. to something that is acted through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is participatory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In a divine way specifically is a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. And relationally, and you know that that it, that it's a much more interdependent, dynamic system. That relationalness yeah. and creation will happen whether you are aware of it or not, right? Right. But but then you add contemplation, a, a practice yeah. to that. What's that like? Yeah. Well, the, the practice is the key, isn't it? It's, it's, um, it's when we bring intention and, and presence deliberately to that, that participation. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it looks so different for so many people. For me, it, it's primarily in writing. Um, so in that, um, receptivity, sitting down with that blank page, you know, listening to what's emerging, heeding what's emerging. Um, even if I don't want to write it, <laughs> there's definitely times it's like, okay, that's not the project that I want to take on. And it's totally the project that's rising up right now. And, um, yeah. so it's about service. Right. Um, it's very much about service. Yeah. Putting down the thing that you think you're supposed to be doing. And picking up the thing that that's emerging. Yeah. 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 It's 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 um, humbling. <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of the practice is about letting go of what Thomas Merton calls the false self, but um, but I, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. It's you know the um, the constructed self. So the constructed self would be the 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 ego driven yeah. like this is. This is my, this is the self that I show to the world. Yeah. This is the self that pays the bills and fulfills all of the, the requirements of living in society, right? Like, yeah, that... yeah, I, yeah. Although I think it's also subtler and <laughs> more insidious than that, but yes. Mm. Yeah. How? I've written two books on writing and, um, and I get so tired of writing about writing. It gets really old. <laughs> so I was coming out of the book launch party for well, the second one, which was um, a book on revision. And my daughter Gwen asked me, so mama, what are you going to write next? And I said to her, I don't know, 
but all I know is I'm not going to write about writing. (laughs) And then it wasn't a week later that, um, I just had this tremendous clarity that, um, that there was this three part conversation. I had just finished part one and part two. I knew exactly what part three was. There was all these people asking me for part three and I knew exactly what I needed to write. And so in that case, it was, um, you know, that wasn't heeding other, like I was actually heeding others' expectations, but it was like those, those, what other people were wanting from me was an invitation. And, you know, or, or even with my memoir, there was this empty space on the shelves. There was no books out there on bisexuality and spirituality. And that empty space was saying, write me. And so it's like, okay. So it's that, it's really about consent in some ways that, that my constructed self consents to this other life force that's emergent. And, you know, I don't always know why or how, or (laughs) there's a lot of messiness in the process. And that's the humility. Yeah. The feeling that the mystery is what is kind of giving the consent. You know, things that, that aren't there to be understood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is what's going to provide the direction right, for your right. next steps is, yeah, that really resonates with me. Yeah. And it's such an irony that you have to be still in order to consent to be active. You know, like the, like the, the two are, are right so close together and that stillness and that quiet is essential to acting and speaking. You know, it's, it's like without, um, without it, what you do and what you say, um, lacks its real transformational energy. It's that, you know, it's that co-creating, um, touch point. And I think that, that, you know, where our society has come from and what whiteness has meant is an emphasis on creation and, you know, a distrust of co-creating because that is a lack of control, which can bring up vulnerability, which is not okay. It invests the silence and the stillness with, uh, kind of, uh, that is an act of protest. Yeah. And, and exercising the capacity to let go, to step down, to not be in control. Um, you know, like if we can exercise that silence with our letting go of thoughts, you know, or however we exercise it, whatever our practice, then that muscle is prepared for, for similar letting go that we need to do around our own racism, around our need to control outcomes. Angel Kyoto Williams, the black Buddhist priest, she says, love and justice are not two. Without interchange, there can be no outer change. And without collective change, no change matters. But, you know, it's just, it's this really interconnected process that, that contemplation and action are just essential to each other. It's not, you know, you don't think, lots of times people think about contemplation as being going and sitting in silence or going on retreat, retreating from the world and, and blissing out. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, and in fact, the opposite is the case that it's, you know, that, that stillness puts you 
right at the center of the call for justice. And so, um, and, it, and it puts you right at the center of personal transformation, which is critical to collective transformation. So, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it brings you to the point where you realize your direct involvement with, with the work. You know, it's not, it's not something that you're doing for somebody else at that point. Right. Right. It brings you to the point where you understand the interdependence and, you know, the breaking down of you and me. Yeah. The inner being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So any sort of um, personal work that I do is not just about me, right? That it's also about us. Yeah. And, and so, um. You know, I run into that with memoirists all the time. They're like, I don't want to write about me, me, me. And, and, um, and stories don't work that way. And I think the same is true in the uh, silence of prayer and in the privacy of a, of a personal spiritual journey that, um, that what happens in that privacy um, has huge ramifications for all of us. So, um, so, so in a way, well, absolutely for me, being a Christian is a path. It's about transformation. It's about doing your personal work. Um, because that's, that's what Jesus modeled and the, the outreach that Jesus modeled sprang from his, um, intimate relationship with God and, um, intimate awareness of his human dimension, you know, of, of his own dimension. Right. So. And through that awareness of his human dimension, the awareness of the human dimension of everyone around him. Everyone. As we wrap up our first episode, I'd like to leave you with a couple of questions to ponder. Elizabeth talked about the dance between inspiration and consent that she feels in her writing process. How does that dance show up in your life? Similarly, we discussed the relationship between the personal work of meditation and prayer on the one hand, and the work for the common good on the other. In your own experience, how are these two realms in conversation? A big thank you to Elizabeth for her time and her wisdom. And many thanks to the Plymouth Contemplatives for holding space in our community at the intersection of action and silence. Interested in learning more about the Contemplatives? Visit Plymouth.org explore, then click on the Contemplative Prayer link at the top of the page to plug in. Thank you for listening to our first episode. I hope it provided you with meaningful signposts for your own journey. I'd love to hear your feedback and your ideas for future episodes. You can reach us by email at meaning at Plymouth.org. The Meaning of Plymouth is a production of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. Until next time.